Do you want to have impact and purpose without disrupting your life or leaving your day job? Podcasting may be the perfect fit for you, your experience, and your voice. Sign up for my upcoming free course where you will learn how to start podcasting using your unique voice, create a platform in four weeks, get access to resources, and more. Go to www.disruptingbalance.com slash podu. That's P-O-D-U to sign up now. Ask for forgiveness and forgiveness for myself for some of the things that I was involved in. But a lot of that was a challenging and traumatic time in my life that I'm still working through. Also, really having a sense of gratitude for that hardship and that different way of thinking. I learned a lot of street smarts and I learned a lot about human beings. You're listening to Disrupting Balance, the podcast, where we are busting myths and breaking balance. Here's stories from women who are pushing boundaries to navigate the decisions and changes that come with work, womanhood, and winning. I'm your host, Hanifa Barnes, speaker, decision strategist, and master imbalancepreneur. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hope you enjoy. Today's guest is Shauna Bader. Shauna is a Canadian born and raised woman with a rich cultural background. Growing up in public housing in Toronto, Ontario, with her Irish Roman Catholic mother and Hungarian atheist-like father, she embraced the diversity of her nuclear family and her surrounding community. Shauna's journey did have some rough patches, where she found herself in a circle of friends and a life that would lead her to drug use and illegal activity between the ages of 14 to 16. But a shift began to happen at 17 when Shauna visited a clinic and learned that she was pregnant. The doctor asked her, where would you like to have an abortion? That question was a pivotal moment in Shauna's story that set the course for a new life in an Amish community that later inspired her to get her GED and attend college. Shauna's story is definitely one of healing and rebirth. You can find Shauna on Instagram at Bader05. That's B-A-T-O-R-0-5. For more information, check the show notes. So hello and welcome to the show, Shauna. I am looking forward to everything we're going to talk about today, and I'm so excited. How are you feeling? I am feeling amazing, Hanifa. Thank you so much for welcoming me into your space today. Great. I'm so glad you're here. So we're going to jump right in and get started with the very first question, which is, what is your story? Such a loaded question, right? (laughs) My story is one of many different paths in my journey, many different hats I've worn throughout that journey and I wear day to day now, a journey I am so grateful and so blessed to have had. It starts, I was born and raised in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, with my Irish Roman Catholic mother. She immigrated to Canada in the late 60s and a Hungarian, almost atheist-like father, a Saskatchewan farmer from out west of Canada. So 
really right off the bat, a beautiful mix of, of humans and, and life to start. Grew up in Toronto. We moved to the greater Toronto area, Brampton, B-Town forever, always representing my beautiful home away from home. We moved to a really low socioeconomic community. And actually, my parents lived there our whole lives until uh, my mother's death six years ago. So it really was, it really is a place that I am familiar with and will always call my home. We lived in public housing. I think in the States, you call it government subsidized housing. Same deal. So really different maybe type of community that some people are used to. I saw a lot of struggles, a lot of struggle with my my own family. You know, both my parents worked two jobs. We never wanted or needed for anything. You know, there was always food on the table and, and clothes on our backs, but I didn't really realize until much later on in life how different the community I was growing up in and the people surrounding me, people who were my family and my, my friends, and still are, how much we really did struggle compared to other people. At one point, you know, we were the only white family living on the street, maybe with an, another household or two. But my community and my friends and my family consisted of such rich culture and something I'm so grateful for now nowadays. You know, my best friends were Jamaican and Somalian and Ethiopian, and it was just such a, a beautiful, rich life of culture and music and food and community. And I never really thought of myself as being white or separate from my community of people of color. And, you know, my parents, I don't remember a bad word or a judgmental word coming from either one of my parents my whole entire life. So it wasn't something that I really recognized until later on in elementary school, where I noticed I went to a French immersion school because it was in walking distance of my house in, in Ontario. At that time, French immersion schools were there were they were far and few in between. So students were bussed in to that community to receive that education. And I remember making new friends and again, not noticing skin color and backgrounds. But as I formed these new relationships, I remember, you know, meeting their families and going into their homes and thinking, wow, look at, look at these houses. Look at these, some of these people have pools and they have foosball tables and they go on vacations and they're involved in all types of extracurricular activities and sports and just things that you know sometimes we we take for granted but when you're growing up in a low socioeconomic community what you see and what you feel and what you remember first is not the color of your skin it's that you're poor and it's that you're struggling. And, and that really is something that I started to, to notice the difference of. Then as I, I grew up and, and sort of was friends with everyone, friends of people living in, in different areas and of different cultures, and then my own community that I loved and 
were friends with, and I uh, really resonated with the youth in my community and, and sort of steered myself and made that family my own. And that involved me getting into some trouble here or there. And, you know, good, good and, and bad memories definitely from that time period of my life. I remember getting arrested and I remember now understanding racial profiling and being pulled out of cars by the police and listening to my favorite old school hip hop artist Nas and being called a, a because I was listening to that music and and I was with a car full of friends, my family, and it really started to grasp, wow. And and then going to my other friends' houses where there were no sirens and and no police presence and racial profiling seemed like it didn't exist. And even if I was playing Nas there, nobody would have called me that. And it, it was just, just such a heartbreaking experience, but an experience now that I am so gr- grateful for. I said I was growing up in a community that I really loved and I cherished. And like I, I've mentioned, uh, these people were my family and they were my friends and they still are to this day. I got into a lot of trouble and I learned a lot about loyalty and honor and a lot about survival and being weak. And, and I now know as an adult and looking back and having the opportunity in my life now to really dissect these stories that I attached myself to from that community and from that time in my life where I was living the attachment to survival and looking weak. And, you know, I think just being a woman in general in any society, you know, we, we have this sense of we need to be strong and, and independent and, and in order to survive and thrive, really. And I really, it took me some time, and I'm still learning now on my journey, that it's, it's okay to ask for help. And it's it's okay to seem weak because we can't be strong all of the time. And even crying, crying. And, you know, I'm really trying to, to set up a mantra, a mantra in my life of crying is cleansing and, and that it, it doesn't make me weak to cry and to have to ask for help when it's needed. But that is definitely an ongoing process for myself right now. I wanted to go back into parts of your story. And you talk about this background or cultural background of your parents and being immigrants. Tell me, did you have an appreciation for that as a young person? And if so, what was that for you? And if not, at what point did you get that appreciation? I had more than an appreciation for it, especially even at such a young age. I really valued my mother's story, who was quite vocal on immigrating from Ireland and and how much she missed her home and her family. We still have quite a bit of family back in Ireland and how she, I would watch her suffer from that separation. And of course, you know, communication isn't what it is like now. Talking to your family across an ocean back then was quite expensive to do. So it wasn't something that she could entertain frequently. But it was definitely something that, you know, my mother cherished being Irish. 
And there was some strife if you dive into Ireland's history with um, the English monarchy to the point where my mother refused to become a Canadian citizen um, because she said she would never bow her head to the English monarchy. And of course, that only became an issue after 9-11 happened and and she was traveling back and forth. And, you know, when you're not a, a permanent resident or whatever else, the paperwork and trying to get back in, into your country is is atrocious. But that was something that really resonated with me. And, and I really respected her for, because no matter where she was in the world, she was proud of who she was and where she was from, even to the point of it causing her having some detrimental effects while traveling and, and trying to get back to her family. And that's the type of woman that she was. And she was she was always true to that and strong. And you know what? It was also something that I could resonate with the people in my community with. Everybody's family, everybody's parents were from somewhere else. And Toronto really is a beautiful city. And it really is the metropolis of uh, multiculturalism here in Ontario and Canada. You know, there's all sorts of multicultural festivals Obviously not this year, unfortunately, but from Carabana and even the Pride Festival is one of the biggest in the world. And in Brampton specifically, we had a multicultural festival and it was amazing to see all these different people coming together where you could go uh, for three or four days at different places and festive halls and eat food and dance and learn about their cultures from all over the world. So there really was a representation of immigrants and their stories. And that is something that I even feel is in my blood now from, from a very young, a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'm curious because I just learned something myself about Toronto and the multicultural aspect. So the people that are in your circle now or the people you engage with or interact with or encounter, do you find that they are also this multicultural melting pot similar to how you grew up? Or do you find that it's shifted a little bit to more of one culture versus another? I am now living two hours west of the city in a very, very rural area. And this is something that has always been a bone of contention for myself because when I I had my children, I really wanted them to have the same experiences as I did. And I, I thought sort of at one point that I was robbing them of that raising them in such a a rural community, you know, predominantly white and just quite different from what resonated with my heart space. And thinking now, you know, we, this year obviously has been a little bit different with COVID, but I made regular arrangements for my children and I to to visit Toronto, to stay in touch. My father still lives in, uh, in Scarborough in Toronto And to just really sort of even going back to Brampton where I grew up and hanging out at the plaza and sitting on the stoop and eating pizza and and seeing old neighbors and talking to people and having them involved with that community so that they can see also, you know, where their mother grew up and where she was from and what she missed and loved 
And, you know, there's that old saying, you never forget where you came from. And it's something that you have to, you know, we can disattach ourselves to, to some things, but we can't take all of that out of us because it's a part of us. It, it's made us who we are, whether we like it or not, it's made us who we are. So I'm fortunate enough to be grateful for that. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's go to your youth. You mentioned in your initial response about some of the challenges as a young person, as an adolescent. And my question is, you know, when we have a time, when we get older and we have time to reflect, we can kind of think back to those particular times of challenge and trauma and realize what it is we were fighting for. What do you think you were fighting for during that time of your life when you were getting into trouble? I think I was fighting for having a voice, being valued, and not being recognized as poor, as not having the same as everyone else, as this new peer group you know, fighting for sometimes survival. I left my parents home at a, a very young age, 14, and really did my own thing. I was displaced. I was homeless. I had some really amazing friends that took me in and, and really cared for me. But you know what? I, I got into a lot of trouble. And some of that trouble was for survival reasons, for having to eat food, and, you know, I'm not proud of some of the things I've done. And I've, I've really have had to heal and connect with God to forgive my, ask for forgiveness and forgiveness for myself for some of the things that I was involved in. But really, um, a lot of that was a challenging and traumatic time in my life that I'm still working through, but also really having a sense of gratitude for that hardship and that different way of thinking. I learned a lot of what we call, you could almost say street smarts. And I, lot of, I learned a lot about human beings and, you know, the depths of despair and what people will do and the suffering that they will inflict on others in order to survive. And you know what, sometimes when your mindset is one of survival, you don't really think that you have a choice. And then to realize and survive and think, wow, I've had a choice in every single moment of my life is um, something that is really astounding to me now. Thinking back then that, the, yeah, the choices that I were making were, of course, not the best, but they were ones of survival for sure. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And so let's talk about then how you ended up in Amish country and living among the Amish, what was the impetus for that like and the differences and the things you took away from that? Let's talk about that time in your life. The beautiful Amish. Yes. Such an amazing, another amazing community that I got to um, experience. So grateful. I was living, getting into trouble, like I mentioned, and I found myself pregnant at 17. and finding myself in a walk-in clinic, getting a pregnancy test. And the doctor's response to me of my pregnancy test, I, I was on contraceptives at the time, so I wasn't 100% sure. And when he came back into the room to give me the results, 
his answer to me was, where would you like to have an abortion? This was in a pivotal time in my life. And I, I looked at him and I had said, I guess this means that my test results are positive. Thank you for your time here today. And I left the room and I really had to stop and grasp a, that I was with child B that the life I was living was not one that was going to have myself or my child survive. And I had to make a decision right there in that moment of what I needed and wanted to do. And that was to have my baby. So I left the office and I talked to my son's father and he had had some family. So where we moved is a place called Milberton and it's about two hours north of the GTH, the Toronto region. And he had had some family there and we decided to move to the country and to get away from the life that we were living. And I knew that if I had stayed, I would either be dead or end up in jail again. And I chose to have my baby and become a phenomenal mother. So we left and I literally was 18 now at this time, pregnant, nose ring, cane rolls in my hair, <laughs> cameo pants, not much under my belt and in our vehicle. And we drove to this community and made a life for ourselves for a short period of time. And Milverton is a place in Ontario. It's actually one of the largest old order Amish settlements in Canada. I was not aware of this at the time. I was quite ignorant. When you just get outside of Waterloo Region, north of Toronto, which is where I, I live now, or west now, anyways, you start to see horses and buggies and these beautiful farms with rolling hills and workhorses and flowers at the end of the road with little boxes where you can put money in exchange for produce from the farm, flowers. And it was just mind boggling to me. Here I was, this girl from this multicultural metropolis, now entering this world of Amish, this community of just nature and love and happiness. And I got a job within a small Amish bakery and cafe, and I became really good friends with some young Amish girls. And I had my baby there and lived for a couple of years and just had these great experiences with this community. I went to an Amish wedding and of course I wasn't allowed in the, the wedding. I had to sit at the, at the back of the church, almost outside because I was not of the order and I attended mm -hmm. my good friend, um, her mother had passed and I was able to experience an Amish funeral, which is quite different than most cultures. And it was just this incredible experience. And I was there and we were thriving and Nathan, my son and Nathan, of course, we named Nathan. Nathan in Hebrew means gift from God because he was my gift from God that I, I sort of feel saved my life. And that was it. We, we lived our life and we were happy. And one day I made the decision that I 
wasn't able to live there anymore. It was too much. It took me a good six months to a year to be able to sleep comfortably. You know, noise pollution is a serious thing. I could hear a pin drop in the middle of the road. And I was used to sirens and 747s flying over my head and people and talking and shouting and cars. And so I made the decision to move back to the city and on the map in between Milverton and Toronto, uh, directly in between is Waterloo Region. So I moved back to Toronto for a short period of time. And then I decided to move halfway in between where my son's father ended up getting a job here in Waterloo Region. I ended up going to school and we eventually went separate ways. But this is where I've been ever since in this community here. Yeah. What a story. I mean, you come from kind of this experience where you have this rich heritage and culture, and then you have a moment where there's a lot of challenge. And then there's this idea of a rebirth as a result of the birth of your son and this new community. And so then we fast forward and you talk about in our previous conversation, the moment in your life where you were drowning. And when I think of drowning, my first thought or picture in my mind is water, right? Yes. And how water is so symbolic of two extremes. You're drowning, but then there's also this rebirth. Yes. So I want to talk a little bit about that time period in your life when you were drowning and all the things that seemed to be happening all at once and then how your rebirth began. You've worded that so beautifully because that's exactly what drowning is. It's, it's almost, it's suffocation and then it's cleansing all at the same time. And I found myself approximately six years ago, you know, moved on older. Now I, I left school I'm working full time. I now have a daughter. I am now planning a wedding. And it was a time in my life where I felt darkness, real darkness, the type of darkness that just swallows you whole. And I was, I was drowning. That's how I, I was suffocating. My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was her second stint. Breast cancer is unfortunately something that we're all too familiar with in my family. I've lost my cousin recently, 38 years old. My mother was first diagnosed at 50 and died at 67. My grandmother died in her late 30s. So it was not something that was new to us, but she was extremely ill and she was dying. My daughter had just been diagnosed with autism, which is a whole other podcast all on its own, Hanifa. Yeah. And, and I was planning a wedding, which we had bumped up to this amazing human being that I fell madly in love with. And he was going through an intense uh, custodial, horrific custodial process with the courts and with his own children. And it was just a time in my life where I was grasping for straws, for, for a life preserver. And I was really suffering. My mother passed away. And in 2014, and it was really a horrific time in our lives. She literally was eaten by cancer from the inside out and chose not to go into hospice care. She wanted to die in the house where we were raised in, in Brampton and in, in our community. 
And looking back now, it was, it was so traumatic and it was so hard to be working full time and driving back and forth and dealing with my daughter and, and what she was going through and, and what I needed to do for her survival. And it was just such a a hard time. And I had to make some serious decisions Mm. on what I wanted to do and what I needed to do to start breathing again and, and to come out of that darkness. As, as everyone knows, who has suffered the loss of someone they love so great, they know that grief touches every single aspect of your life, every single cell and molecule in your body, every, every limb, every word that comes out of your mouth, every tear that comes out of your eye is just, just bathed in grief. And it is something that, you know what, unfortunately is a part of life. And, and we all have to experience in one way or another. But I started on a journey of, I was also training in mixed martial arts at the time. And I quit. I, I knew I needed to preserve my energy in order to survive. I started a practice of daily meditation and uh, yoga. I sought help from a naturopath to uh, help me with support internally with my adrenal glands and my body as a whole. And I really started this journey of emerging from a cocoon. I was reading a book a little while ago, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. And there's Mm -hmm. that there's that metamorphosis from grief. It was her. She was speaking about, about her sister and the, her divorce and the loss and how it took a year and how grief is like a, a caterpillar entering a cocoon and how you stay and you, you nourish and you heal. And although, you know, you'll, you'll never be the exact same, you emerge from this cocoon and it's this beautiful metamorphosis and this beautiful journey. And, and I really feel that I am on that now. I recently last year was certified and became a yoga teacher. I recently received some certification in mindfulness training, and it is definitely something that I practice daily and something that I've incorporated in my life to really keep me not treading water anymore, but paddling upstream in a nice boat, I might add. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So what has been on this side of everything, what has been one of your proudest moments for yourself? I think one of my proudest moments now is just my ability to stay in the here and now, to focus on the present moment to not dive so deep into the past and look so far into the future, but to just really stay within the present moment, which holds a little, lot of power. I always speak to the present moment. That's where my power lies, the power of choice, the power of love, and, and really living and leading from an authentic heart space and concentrating on growth and focusing on that on the present moment. And you know what, my mindfulness practice, my meditation practice has really 
I can say has got me to where I am. And God, of course, I, I can't forget God. God is always here in the here and now. And to really realize also that that higher being of whatever you believe in lives inside you and is always available as long as you're here with them is beautiful. So that really is my my proudest moment realizing and coming to this place. And of course, it's always a journey. It's always one of growing and learning and moving forward, but really being in the here and now, because that's all that we have. That's all that there really is. It's just right here, right now. You called your mom a true hero and role model in your life when we first spoke, and you referred to her as a great love. And so now, if your mom were to comment on Shauna's journey and life experience up to this point, what do you think she would say? Do you know what? I never speak of people in the past tense because I feel like I know that they are always with us and that they are always here. And I really feel my mom's presence and Mm -hmm. I really feel her love. And I feel that and I, I see that when I interact with my own children and I feel love for my own children. I know that that love is not only learned, but passed on. And it is something that I can't really describe in words, but I know on a regular basis that my mother is proud and that she feels that she has done her job and that she knows that I am a reflection of her as we all are of, of our, of our parents and our past and our family and our roots and our guardians. And I really feel that she is proud of that. And she knows what an amazing mother I am. And that's because of who she is and was. I am Shauna Bader, and I am disrupting balance by living and leading my life from an authentic heart space. Thank you for listening to Disrupting Balance. To learn more about how I'm in Disrupting Balance, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Disrupting Balance. You can also check out my website at www.disruptingbalance.com to get podcast updates and news from the Balance Disruptor community about how you can become your very own master in balancepreneur. Talk soon.